Amen. Good morning. Good morning. Listen, I always get excited to be able to have the opportunity to, to come, to share, to, to grow deeper into the body, I feel like. Um, you know, like in any time I speak, the majority of the time, I'm sharing from my life, from what God is doing in my life, from what God is speaking into my life. Sometimes God will give me a specific word and allow me to preach that. But God has been giving me this word in my heart, and I've been experiencing this word probably over the past two months, three months. And I'm not going to lie, whenever Clay asked me uh, to speak and I come up on this, and I knew that I'd be speaking on this word probably the last two weeks, I've I've been tested. The word has been tested. You know, uh, there's a verse in Matthew that says that tribulation and persecution arises because of the word. And sometimes when God is sowing a word into your heart, it has to be tested, has to be tried. And you go through this season. And I, over, the past, over the past two or three weeks, a lot of things have been tried in my life, refined in my life. I'm stepping into a new position um, at Chad's Hope Teen Challenge. The next service, uh, the CEO of Teen Challenge in Kentucky will be here. We're going to do a little bit of inauguration here. Um, you know, just, just positional-wise, I'm, I'm very honored, very thankful. A lot of things are shifting. I'm, I'm going into a different season, and with that comes a lot of trial and a lot of persecution to test those things in my life. So I'm excited to share this word with you today about grace. About grace. And before I just jump into that, I don't want to miss an opportunity. I believe in the doctrine of honor. Uh, I believe in it wholeheartedly. Uh, I, like it's, it's a priority in my life, the doctrine of honor. And I do want to say this, today is Clay Bishop's birthday. He's our pastor, and uh, we're, we're so thankful for him. And, um, you know, like, listen, there, that's the opportunity of honor out there. If you guys get an opportunity to honor him today as his birthday, listen, I encourage you to do that because I believe as, as a body, when we honor the authority over top of us, God releases through that honor to us as a body and a corporation. So I want to talk about grace. You know, like when I, when I first begin in discipleship, when I begin in discipleship and I begin to learn, like I wanted to learn things obviously just to know the meaning of them. And, and grace for me, when I begin to learn about grace, in the beginning I had it mixed up because I couldn't tell the difference between grace and mercy. If you asked me the definition or if I had to describe it to somebody, if somebody asked me what is grace and I had to describe it, I would have struggled between the definition of it because mercy is whenever you don't get what you do deserve, they say, the definition, just, just a simple definition. Grace is when you do get what you don't deserve. So that's a definition that I learned in discipleship at first. Oh, okay, well, this is grace. That's what grace means. And then, you know, as I'm, I'm going further into discipleship, I remember somebody said this other thing, and, and they, they gave it, um, I don't know what the, the systematic word for it is, but... God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace. And I thought, when I heard that, I was like, wow, that's grace. That's exactly what grace is. God's riches at Christ's expense. I actually think it was Donald maybe that said that one day and I heard that. And, um, you know, like, there's a lot of riches being poured out into my life. Um, Christ's life given to me. I don't deserve that. I'm not worthy of that. That's a gift. Peace, joy, love, contentment. All those things come from grace. They're given to me by grace. 
You know, one of the most famous scriptures is, For by grace you are saved through faith. By grace you are saved through faith. John, John Wesley talks about grace a lot. And, and if, if you don't know about John Wesley, I want you to know that City of Hope believes in John Wesley. <laughs> if you hear Clay talking, you'll figure out. Like, so, you know, we, we, John Wesley really breaks down grace in a lot of ways. He talks about prevenient grace. He talks about justifying grace. He talks about sanctifying grace. There's these different graces that we're talking about. Then he goes into this thing called means of grace. And again, this is all, this is all just knowledge through discipleship. But I want, I want to break these things down because I've, up to the point that I just encountered God with in my life, I had all this knowledge in my head. Well, grace is this. Well, justifying grace means this. Sanctifying grace means this. It goes into this thing. But John Wesley also talks about this thing called means of grace. It literally it means there's, there's sacraments, there's things that we can do to open the doors of grace. Prayer, worship, fasting, different things that open up grace in my life. And over this past season, I'm not going to lie, like I have experienced grace by means that I have never acknowledged before. And I really want to get into that, and I really want to be talking about that today, because grace through faith. Grace through faith. I have figured out, listen, that faith, faith is the greatest means of which grace flows through. Faith is the greatest means of which grace flows through. So the first point that I want to talk about is this. Grace to obedience. Grace to obedience. I'm going to get vulnerable, and, and a lot of you guys already know my story, and you know like I'm, I'm, I'm down to get vulnerable at a drop of a hat. Like I'm cool with it. But um, over the past nine years, well, going on ten years since I've been saved, I came to Chad's Hope. Uh, God radically set me free from drug addiction, from a lot of different things. Um, I jumped straight into ministry. For the past nine years, I've been struggling with a spirit of lust. I mean, it's, it's a struggle. And I'm going to tell you, my goodness, son, like I, it's tiring. It's, it's a battle. It's a war. It was consistent. The way that it impacted my wife, the way that it impacted my marriage, the way that it impacted me, the way that I had to struggle forward through this spirit attached to me, dealing with it, wrestling with it on a daily basis, fighting it, resisting it, going home, looking at my wife, her feeling insecure, her getting thoughts in her head, the enemy just attacking her constantly because she knows that I'm wrestling with this spirit. And then I'm in a pastoral position. For nine years, for, you know, whatever, probably not nine, six, seven years, struggling with the Spirit, being tempted by it every day. And there's difference between a natural temptation, going out and seeing something, and okay, I resist that, and something just dominating you, attacking you in your thoughts, in your mind. When you see it, it just does something to your body so much that you're like, oh my God, how can I even resist this? There's something different between a natural temptation and, and a spirit trying to influence you and find access. And I tell you what, over the past nine years I've struggled with it. I went to Uganda back in January. And I was in Uganda and I was sharing my story. And I brought up this, this struggle with lust. 
And the people there at this house, the pastors that I was staying with, his wife just got really burdened when I shared that. And she was like, look, let's pray for you right now. Let's, let's pray that God's going to touch you, that God's going to heal you. Let me tell you something. I got offended. I got offended. You don't know how many days I've fasted. You don't know how much I've sought the Lord. You don't know how much I've wrestled with this. You don't know how much I've went off into the woods by myself just between me and God and fasted and cried out to Him and begged and had my face on the floor begging Him to take this away from me. And you just want to say a little prayer for me after nine years and believe that God's going to take this away from me? I got a little offended. But I, you know, I'm cool with it. You know what? Yeah, I put the religious face on. Praise God, brothers and sisters, let's do this. And, uh, and, and they prayed for me. You know, and, and time went on. A couple days went on. And man, this woman was still burdened about this part of my story. And two or three days later, they had this big thing. And all the disciples came that they were sending out and the church planners. And man, they got around me. And this woman just again, like, let's, let's, let's pray for Forrest. Let's believe for Forrest that he's going to have breakthrough. And like, they prayed for me again. And I was on my way home on the plane. And you know, I'm, I'm a, in a foreign country. Listen, when I got on the plane, the dude that I was supposed to be going with, flying on the plane with, getting on the plane with... They, I've never been on a plane in my life. They tell him his visa's denied. I have to get on a plane, fly to Europe by myself, spend like a seven-hour layover, then jump over to, like, I'm, I'm alone. Surrounded by a lot. And <laughs> nervous and scared. And, like, I'm, I'm, I'm praying to God. And, listen, on my way home, I, I'm coming to the Lord, and this thing happens. And I said, you know what, God? I had to reckon some things. And, and we're going to get into this, but... I said, Lord, I don't believe it's your will that my wife, my family struggles the way that they're struggling because of sin. That I have to struggle every day the way that I am right now because of sin. And, and the truth is this. The Lord showed me one time the reason that I struggled with pornography was because I wasn't keeping my eyes in public when I was going to Walmart. And I'd got so tired of resisting it and fighting it and failing and resisting it and fighting it and failing after years and years and years and years that I just got used to just letting my eyes go wherever they wanted to go. And on the way back from Africa, I initiated God and I had a revelation with God. And I said, you know what, God, I'm going to believe that your grace is able to keep me, not me, I can't do this. I figured this out over the past nine years, and I have failed horribly. I cannot keep my own eyes. I have tried. I've struggled within this flesh. I've resisted it. I can't do it. But I am going to believe that your grace is sufficient for me to be obedient to your word. And I reinitiated obedience with God through grace, through faith. By grace. And I tell you what, freedom happened in my heart and in my life. And all of a sudden, a month went by, and I didn't look at one female. A whole month. And I know that, that might sound like, well, dude, I looked at them every day. Every day. 
A whole month went by and I hadn't even glanced, hadn't even double take one female, hadn't even struggled with it. Freedom began to set free in my heart. Two months went by. Now, whenever Clay asked me to preach this message, all of a sudden, listen, some things begin to attack my heart again. That spirit tried to come back on me. Another spirit that I've been delivered for years that I haven't even struggled with, a spirit of rage. I was having nightmares last week of a spirit, a demonic spirit in my nightmares, passing down generationally, trying to attach itself to me in dreams. Like I've been, Listen, it's been crazy. But it, it's a real thing. And, and when God gives you a word... And when you're set free, there becomes a testing of that freedom, of that faith in grace and by grace. So I, I've been going through this thing, and, and you know, like, and I tell you that story because of this. I believe grace leaves you without excuse to continue in sin. You know, Romans 6, 1 through 2 says, What shall we say then? Shall, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? The same grace that sets us free empowers us to live according to God. The same grace that sets us free empowers us to live according to God through the door of faith. Through the door of faith. It's not of ourselves. It's not because we just want to be obedient. It's not because we think that we can do this. It has to be through the door of faith. You know, I love 2 Peter verse 1. 2 Peter 1 verse 3, it says this, As His divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us. Listen, he, He's given us all things. He's given us everything to live a life of godliness. He's given us all things that pertain to this life. And it's like, I have to believe that in order to even access that. I have to believe that. I have to, I have to, I have to take that on in order to even receive of that. And that's why, that's why I'm talking about the reckoning. Listen, how important is the reckoning in your life? Sometimes we just need to sit down and the only thing that we need to do is reckon. Reckon some things to be true. Sometimes that's the most powerful thing that you could ever do on this side of the face of the planet is to sit down and reckon some things to be true. Because the enemy gets us in such of a bind sometimes. We'll be speaking the most craziest thing over our life. And sometimes we just need to sit down and reckon. I, I love, listen, Romans 6, 11, Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God and Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul over, for I consider this, I reckon this, that the sufferings of this life are not to even be compared to the things. Paul is always reckoning things. He's always sitting down and considering the Scripture and reckoning it to be true. 
And sometimes I can get it up here and I can quote you definitions and I can do some things and if you ask me what grace means, I can quote it off the top of my lips and try to tell you some definitions. But there's a difference between knowing what grace is and reckoning grace to be in your life, to flow through your life, to have access in your life, to live a life of godliness that's been given us all things pertaining to this life. We have to reckon these things to be true because I'm telling you, listen, the battle with sin is real. The battle with sin is real. I hate it. It disgusts me. You don't know how many times I've had to call Clay. I've about lost my mind. I get so tired of it. My goodness. But grace. Grace is with me. Grace has kept me. You know, over and over again in the scriptures. I, I like this slide. I pulled this slide up. It says, do you not know? Do you not know? Do you not know? Do you not know? How important is it to know? To know something. It says, it says all things will give, be given you pertaining to this life and to live a life of godliness through the knowledge. Because you know. You know Christ. You know these things to be true. Do you not know? That the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? Do you not know that we shall judge angels? Sometimes I feel like Nicodemus. I'm going to be honest with you. I relate to Nicodemus. I relate to that guy. You know, like I'll be in ministry, been in ministry for nine, ten years, and discipleship every single day, you know, dealing with conflict on a daily basis, being pressed in leadership positions and da 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 and people look to you and think that you got it together and you're somebody you're not and then God be sitting down on the foundational things and being like do you not know? <laughs> God help me. God help me. Listen, obedience isn't something that we muster up. It's more of something that we come into agreement with. You cannot obey God by mustering it up and deciding you're going to do it. It's literally something that you have to come into agreement and understand that it's only by grace. It's only by grace that we even walk this out. It's not in and of myself. I cannot even be obedient to you. Unless your grace is with me. Why should, why should I obey? You know, I, in, in the beginning, you know, hell scared me to death, but it didn't change me. Different things scared me to death. But there's a reason why I obey. And to be honest with you, it's the goodness of God. The Bible says that the goodness of God leads man under repentance. The goodness of God. The good things of God. And, and sometimes it's like me obeying, uh, oh God, I'm going to lose my wife. You know, I'm going to lose my position in ministry. I'm going to lose this if I, if I can't get this right, if I can't obey. Guess what? That, that's not going to cut it. Listen, I love my wife, and I about break down crying right now, and I don't want to, but I've hurt that woman tremendously. And I promise you this, I didn't want to, I don't want to, 
the last thing on the face of this planet that I want to do is hurt my wife. But that doesn't keep me in obedience. Just because I don't want to hurt my wife doesn't make me obey. It's the goodness of God. The goodness of God. Knowing who He is, knowing what He's done for me, knowing what He pours out to me. Listen, His ways are enough, completely satisfying, and the only path that will bring fullness to the inner being that hungers and longs for wholeness. You know, sometimes there's a lie going on that, hey, you need this. Hey, that will make you happy. Hey, hey, look at that. Listen, I have to battle with those lies all the time. That's a lie. Listen, that is a lie from the pits of hell. There is no woman on the face of this planet that can compete with my wife for me. There is nothing that can be more fulfilling on the face of this planet than my wife for me. But yet those lies will come along. And I have to remind myself of the goodness of God. That God, it's your spirit that makes me whole. It's the things that you've given me that fulfill me. Nothing this world offers me will ever make me whole, will ever give me any fulfillment. I, I, I don't know if Clay or somebody said this, but the more of the world we want, the less enjoyment we have. The less of the world we want, the more enjoyment we have. I've come to find that true. The less of this world I want, the more I have fun, the more enjoyment I have, the more happy I am, the more content I am, the more joy that I have in my spirit. But the more that I begin to lust after the things of this world, the more empty I am, the more that I'm pursuing, the more that I'm trying to feel, the more that I'm left getting left hungry and thirsty, tired. All sin is a result of dissatisfaction with God. All sin is a result of dissatisfaction with God, believing He isn't enough and that He is holding back from you. Sometimes we see things, listen, the Bible says that, that Eve looked at the, the fruit and it was desirable to the flesh, pleasing to the eye. And she looked at that thing and Satan said, oh, He's holding back from you. He knows that this right here, man, what this right here will do for you. That's all sin is. We look at something and we think, man, that right there would make me happy. God don't want me to have that, but that would make me happy. <laughs> it's just a lie. It's dissatisfaction with God and what He's replied. Listen, you, you've got to reckon some things. You've got to reckon some satisfaction in your life. Or else the enemy will get in there. And he'll tear everything up. You'll be sitting right in the middle of perfection and be living in hell. Because you let the enemy get in there and every good and perfect gift that came from above, you look at it like it's nothing. And all of a sudden you start lusting after the things of this world. I have to sit down and reckon some things. I have to go home and look at my children and say, God, I'm so thankful. I have to go home and look at my wife and say, God, I praise you for giving me this woman that can put up with me. My goodness. Thank you, Lord, so much. I have to reckon some things. 
I have to find satisfaction with God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Grace is enough. Grace is enough. I, man, I'm telling you what I, I like. Grace is enough. Grace, grace cuts off every, every excuse for sin. The Bible said where sin abounds, grace is more. When we have a sin that we're dealing with in our heart and it's abounding and we think, my goodness, how could I ever overcome this? It's been passed down generation to generation. You don't know what I feel. You don't know how what I did. You don't know what I've done. Listen, grace is more. Grace is more. Grace is enough. He cuts it off. When we're dealing with a sin like that, he said, my grace is more. When God hasn't delivered the desire yet, he said, my grace is sufficient. When you're surrounded by sin and you think, oh my God, there's no, there's a door. He never leaves you. He takes away every excuse that you have. There's always a way out. There's always sufficient grace. There's always a grace that is greater than the sin. Period. The second thing that I want to talk about is grace to perseverance. Grace to perseverance. Because this is the thing. It's hard to keep going at times. My goodness, I cannot tell you how many times I have been at that place. <laughs> you know, the funny thing is, like, I, I've been there a lot. I, I really have. But every time I get there, it's this. Where else will I go? <laughs> Even when I'm at that place, it's like, where else will I go? I have nothing but to continue to move forward. Period. But it's hard to persevere at times. It's hard to keep moving at times. Listen, I get tired. Capital T, tired. 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 <laughs> Galatians 6, 9 says this. It says, do not grow weary in doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. I tell you, you know, you know how difficult it is to love. You know how difficult it, you know how difficult it is to forgive. I think about my wife. Do you, I don't even know how she does it. Over and over and over and over and over and over and over. Listen, it gets hard. I'm tired. It's easy to lose heart in doing good. It's easy to lose heart to come in here and to serve Sundays. I don't feel like getting up this morning. I don't feel like doing this. I don't feel like... It's easy to lose heart in doing good. But you know what? Man, I tell you what. I tell you... What I love about that, I'm telling you right now, I could preach a whole sermon on this due season. Let me tell you something. There is a due season. There's a due season. There's a season coming. 
And I know that things get hard. I know that you get tired. I know that you get wore out. I know that things can come against you. But I promise you this, according to the Word of God, that there is a due season. Amen. My goodness, that's my favorite season of the year, due season. <laughs> I'm going to go hunting for them dues, boys. <laughs> oh, due season. So I'm looking for, I'm looking for that due season. You know, I see people go through hardships in their life, and I see them get so tired and so weary, and this other thing in my spirit says there's a due season coming. There's a due season coming. You tell them that there's a due season coming. And then whenever they finally step into it, man, it is so awesome. I just want to praise God and rejoice and shout and get filled with the Holy Spirit because it is encouraging to see people persevere into their due season. My goodness, it's good. It's worth it. But we can't lose heart. We can't lose heart in doing good. We can't pull back. We can't stop. You know, I, I'm sure that there's a lot of times my wife, she probably wants to throw in the towel. I keep using that because, my goodness, bless that woman. That's the one thing that I look to and it ministers to me every day. And I don't know how she's still here. <laughs> but there's a due season. We're not where we started. We believed in greater things. I don't care where you are. I don't care how bad you think it gets. I don't care what you've lost. I'm telling you right now where you're at, the Bible says that there's new mercies. In the morning, tomorrow, when you wake up, what does new mercies mean? What does new mercies mean? It means mercies you've never experienced before. There's mercies for you where you are. And they're new. I was praying last night. Listen, I got home last night, probably 11, 12 o'clock, wasn't in the bed, tired, pushing, grinding. And I said, God, I need to wake up in some new mercies tomorrow because my heart feels like a mess. I've been under attack. I don't even know if I can preach this thing. And I'm just going to rely on your grace because it's not in me to even do it. I need them new mercies. God's grace is sufficient not to leave you where you are. There is a tomorrow with new mercies and a season that we can hope ahead to, that we can hope forward to. Listen, we need sufficient grace in our struggles to not lose heart. One thing I like about Paul, you know, you read this scripture and, and a lot of people may, it says three times Paul pleaded with God to remove a thorn. And, and my thing about that is, you know, some people will say, well, you know, the God said, you know, God's grace is sufficient for my sin. That's not what God said. And I think it's really interesting that Paul said three different times on three different occasions. Why didn't you stop the first time? Why didn't you just stop the first time when you sought him out? And he said, hey, listen, my grace is sufficient. He said on three separate occasions, I pleaded with God. You see grace right there. Something inside of Paul knew 
My goodness, I don't want to carry this. This isn't good. I'm seeking God's face. I'm not giving up. I'm pushing forward. I'm going to continue. And even when God said, my grace is sufficient, he come back and God, please. Because grace, listen, grace is not just going to keep you where you're at and you're just going to settle in. God didn't say the first time, hey, Paul, listen, it's okay. It's okay, just, just keep that and you're fine. And da, 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 And Paul just kicked back and he was good with it. No, he continued to press in. He continued to seek God. And, and the thing is, listen, I, I look back in my life, honestly, I've did this multiple times. I have no idea. I look in other people's lives when they're going through one of the most severe trials that I can't even comprehend in my little tiny human brain that I have. How in the world that they are moving forward? How are the world, are they even coping with this mentally? And I remember that there is a grace for every season. I remember looking back in my life and thinking, how in the world did I do that? How in the world did I make it through that season? Because I remember God's grace with me in a supernatural way. And that's the only way that I made it through. Was God's grace. And I'm telling you, no matter where you are today, there is a sufficient grace for you. I don't care how bad it looks. And people from the outside can look in and they can throw all kinds of pity parties for you and tell you, I don't know how you, and I can understand. And But I'm telling you right now, they don't have the grace that you have on you right now where you are because God's given you a sufficient grace to maintain, to move forward, and to persevere from the season that you're in. Paul had a grace with him sufficient for his struggles, for the things that wasn't just moving out of his way. There was a grace there that was sufficient to keep moving, to keep going, to persevere. This is the grace. This is the grace. This is not an interpretation. This is not a definition. I'm talking about a real living grace. I'm talking about a grace that we need, that we need to understand, that we need to reckon with. A grace that we need to be pleading for every single day as we're moving forward in this life, that we have to rely upon it, that we have to understand that it's not in and of ourselves that we need this grace. Perseverance demands agreement with truth. You know, Donald, uh, Rick Clendenin would say this thing all the time. He would say, grace, grace, grace does not cover where truth is ignored. Grace does not cover. I, 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 I kind of reworded it a while back, but I said, grace doesn't release where truth is ignored. Because I see grace as an empowerment and not a covering. Grace doesn't release where truth is ignored. Let's, re let's read this in Hebrews. Hebrews 12, 15 through 16. It says, Looking carefully, lest anyone should fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Lest there be any fornicators or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel... Of food, so does birthright. You know, in Genesis 25, 32, Esau said this. And it says, look, I'm about to die. So what is this birthright to me? 
Listen, Esau said that he was going to die without that bowl of stew. He's going to die. So sometimes we claim lies over ourselves and sell out the precious things of God. I cannot tell you how many times I've been in situations that I've neglected the grace of God and the truth of God in my life, and I've proclaimed just lies over myself. Listen, I just can't do it. I, I guess I'll just have to live. Do you know how many people try to come alongside of me and sow lies into my life that say, Forrest, you're just going to live with that the rest of your life? That's baloney. I do not accept that. There's so many different influences of lies that's going to be trying to press on you and push on you, and it's so easy to become like Esau, and you'll sell out the most precious things in your life. Because you come into agreement, I'm going to die without that soup. I'll give you everything that I have. You think he would have laid down there and croaked over if he didn't eat that stew? (laughs) We have need of perseverance. Listen, listen. The testing of your faith. The Bible says that the testing of your faith is more precious. Is more precious than diamonds, gold, silk. It's it's precious. And it's so easy sometimes to give up the precious things when we're being tested in our faith. Instead of holding on to God's truth. Instead of declaring God's truth over our life to persevere. Instead of reckoning some things to be true in our life. It's so easy just to come into an agreement with a lie and sell out that precious thing. It's easy for me. It's easy for me to just say, you know what? It probably ain't going to happen. That way I don't have to struggle with expectation. That way I don't have to struggle with faith, not knowing whether it will happen, not want to be let down, not want to be hurt, but I keep believing anyway. I keep pushing anyway, knowing that it's possible that it not happen, and it's a struggle to my mind, it's a struggle to my soul, but I keep believing, I keep pushing, I keep declaring. It's so easy to just say, you know what? It's probably not going to happen. Just shut down everything. I'm good with that. I know what to expect. It's not going to happen. That the testing of our faith is precious. It's precious. I don't want to sell out the precious things in my life because I didn't believe. Because I wouldn't stand on the truth. Because it was easier for me to believe a lie and just to get the stew. He had a birthright. My goodness, what a blessing. What an inheritance. And he chose a bow of stew because he declared to lie the enemy over his life. John Wesley, I like this quote, John Wesley. He said, we are not to be idle waiting to experience grace, but we are to engage in the means of grace. The means of grace are ways that God works invisibly in disciples, hastening, strengthening, and confirming faith so that God's grace pervades in and through His disciples. 
Don't be idle. Today, today, don't be idle. Today, we can engage in means of grace. Today, we can reckon some things to be true. I believe that faith is the greatest means in which grace flows. And I believe some of the greatest doors for grace to flow in your life is just reckoning some things to be true. Just reckoning some things to be true. So, Father God, we just come before you today, Lord, and we want to thank you. We want to thank you that we can feed on your goodness, Lord. We want to thank you for the grace, the grace that is more, the grace that is enough, the grace that is sufficient. Father, I pray that if anybody's struggling to obey your word, God, if anybody's struggling that has sin in their life, that they're tired, that they've tried for years and years and years and years, and they're just tired of applying themselves to obedience, they're tired of the fight, they're tired of wrestling with it, they've given themselves over, God, I pray today that you would renew a new faith, a new hope that by grace, by your grace that is more, by your grace that is able to walk in obedience to you, Jesus, that you would enable them, God, to return to you. To return to that obedience, Jesus, by grace. Father, I pray today for those who are in a season, Lord, of struggle. God, that they're tired. Jesus, I pray, Lord, that you would show your sufficiency. That you would show your goodness. That you would pour out your grace upon their life. And they would rely on your grace rather than this world. That they would rely on your goodness rather than this world, Lord. That they would rely on your truth rather than the lies of the enemy, Jesus. God, we thank you for grace today. In Jesus' name we praise you.